Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. The NFL schedule is out now. We have no idea if it's really the NFL schedule. We don't know if they'll delay the first two or four weeks of the season, put them at the end of the year. But, hey, it's out, and people are pouring over it. And they had Bill Belichick on the NFL Network going over the schedule and trying not to say anything and joking about his dog. But they do have to play three straight road games. That was kind of weird. But they're back-to-back in L.A. on a, on a Sunday and a Thursday. I guess you got to play Thursday in a short week. At least you don't waste time traveling that way, right? You just set up some base camp in Southern California. we got a question up on Facebook. We'll get to this in the uh, 7 o'clock hour. But uh, do you want to see a lot of Bronco games? Are you excited about seeing a lot of Bronco games this year? Are the Broncos going to have another bad team? You know, they had like six losing seasons in 40 years. I think in the same span, they had like 21 double-digit win seasons. And they were really good, and people wanted to see them. And it takes a while for a, to build up a brand. It takes a while to break it down. But, man, the Broncos have been breaking it down. These last four years haven't been good. Three straight losing seasons. Uh, over the last four years, they're 10 games under 500. Are we really going to show all the Bronco games? Well, we can't. Um, we can, uh, CBS, KUTV can show 11. The others have been farmed out to other networks. Um, 10 Raider games. We can only get nine Chief games because they're on ESPN, NBC, Fox, whatever. So I'll be, uh, I'll be intrigued to see how this plays out. Um, CBS gets to televise 27 NFL games this year. At most, 11 Broncos. At most, 10 Raiders. At most, 9 Chiefs. There's some games built into the uh, into the schedule that are must-see games. Uh, Kansas City at Tampa Bay. Yeah, pretty sure we'll be showing that one. <laughs> pretty sure we'll be showing that one. All right, we'll get into all this a little later in, this, in the morning. Coming up next, basketball. Craig Bullerjack and then Joe Ingles. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Talked to Craig Bullerjack late in yesterday's show. There are a few references to, you know, tomorrow and that kind of stuff. It'll throw you off, but uh, it's worth it. He had some stuff to say about the NBA and where he thinks it's going. Here's Bowler. Bowler, good morning. Hello, David. Hello, PK. Hey, hey what was that song? That, that was a good pick-me-up. Was that, was that uh, Will Smith? No. That's Bust a Move. By a young Bust MC. a move. Ah, should have known that. Sorry, PK. Sorry. <laughs> we'll let it slide this time. Yeah, thanks. That felt good, though. So, Bowler, you were on the uh, you were on the uh, Zoom call, the Zoom press conference with Dennis yes. Lindsay, and <laughs> at the end, you asked him about TV, and he gave you a long non-answer. And I was right. curious if you think he knows the answer and didn't want to say it. Or if he suspects it and doesn't want to, um, you know, basically guess, or if he really doesn't know the answer. And I'm curious 
the same three things about you, how much you suspect you know the answer. The question was, what's local broadcast going to look like when the NBA returns, basically? Right. So right. what do you no, know? What national, do you, yeah. What do you know or yeah. suspect? And what do you think he knows or suspects or maybe doesn't know and doesn't want to comment on or what? My, my personal thought is that he probably has been hit with about a dozen different scenarios. So the real answer is still unknown. And again, not to get into it, he probably just uh, was, you know, as he, you know, he walked around the question. That's okay. I get it. I mean, there is so much uncertainty. Uh, and I'm sure he has ideas, but yet there's no plan in place. And that's basically what I've heard as well. You know, we've heard the scenario of Vegas. We've heard a scenario of, uh, you know, Florida. Uh, that's been rumored uh, they want to keep you know the families together which would probably mean that uh, uh, the Disney Resort in Orlando may work out better than Vegas but then again you know reading online this morning you know some owners are maybe in maybe some owners aren't in um, testing still is an issue asymptomatic players and huh, I, I just think there's multiple plans but there's really no there's really no clear path, I guess is the best way to put it. And it's frustrating because I think all of us, all of us would like to go back to work and fans want to see, you know, the NBA and they want to see major league baseball. And now we're creeping up, you know, on, on the college football season and, and uh, the national football league. And there's still a lot of uh, questions that, you know, that are unanswered. And I just don't know if there's any answers to those questions right now. Well, those broadcast situations, would they just be for this season, or would there be any long-term stuff come from it? That's a great question, PK. That's, you know, it's concerning for me. Um, I, I think probably it'd be for the playoffs if they do bring the playoffs, um, you know, in June or July. Um, they'd really have to start up practice right now. Really, guys, what's today? Uh, Thursday, May 7th, there was a plan of 25 days of prep. So it'd have to be soon uh, with the facilities open that everybody's on board. That's the key. You just can't have a few clubs, you know, working out. It basically has to be a, a league-wide agreement that they go back to work and put the players, you know, in their paces. But, uh, you know, they've never been – Adam Silver has not had a, uh, you know, a drop-dead date, so to speak, yet on the season. So I guess you've still got time just not privy to know when they could actually play the rest of the season and i think it'd basically just be the playoffs um and then of course you'd have to start considering when do you start up a new season the 2021 campaign and you know that again you you always hear christmas uh would be the christmas day game kickoff would be a ratings bonanza uh you know and obviously um you know a financial gain for all so Again, a lot of ideas, but the path has yet to be uh, to be cleared. I agree the path hasn't been cleared. I have seen some projections, partly because, you know, it's a calendar and you can count, right? Everyone can do right, that. Right, right. So the, the NBA could play the rest of the regular season and all the playoffs in 88 days because you take out uh, the travel. Right, because they're all going to be in one right. place. So you can right. really you can play more often because you don't have to allow for the travel and the time to recover from the travel. And so I saw a schedule that said they could play everything out in 88 days, and that they could finish in. If you're going to finish in, that's basically three months, right? But if you're going to finish in mid September, then you need to start in mid June. If you want to finish September 8th or 9th, which puts you right before the start of the NFL season, if it starts on time. 
then you need to start by June 8th or 9th. Now, to your point, boy, June 8th or 9th now, I mean, you're basically four months away. Or yeah, four plus, weeks away. The, the, the 25-day plan, DJ. I mean, right. So it's You know, you've it's got go maybe time. six or seven days right. of wiggle room right now. So talking to somebody who said, yeah, I don't see the 82 games happening. But if you get to 74 games, you drop eight games, that's basically dropping 16 days. That still is possible. So uh, the other thing I think is, um, you know, Getting everybody on the same page, I don't know that they have to because I'm not totally convinced that they have to take 30 teams to Vegas or Orlando or you know Walt Disney World, wherever they go to play Agreed. these. Agreed. That they might take 16, just the playoff. Now, maybe they'd say, hey, we'll take the top 10 in each conference and let 9 and 10 try to you know play their way into the 8th spot. So maybe you only take 20 teams, maybe you take 24, I don't know. So, you know 16, 20, 24, 30 beats me. Uh, PK and I have been talking about this for days now, like Whatever. Whatever you think you can pull off, something is better than nothing. And most of the public, the media, whoever else is going to roll with whatever you can do. I don't think there's going to be a lot of complaining. Well, why couldn't you do a little more? Heck, if you can do mm-hmm. something, we'll take it. You know what, DJ PK? I think the most intriguing thing is I look at this schedule that I always keep you know, handy. Just uh, you know, I like to always just reference stuff. But you know, the 18 games, including the Oklahoma City game that wasn't played, if you're looking at playoff pairings and the Jazz are the four and LKC's at the five, would you take games and let's say you don't play New Orleans and Memphis, but you play OKC, you'd play the Lakers twice, you'd play Dallas, you would forget Atlanta, Chicago, and Cleveland, Portland, no, Denver, yes, Clippers, yes, OKC and Denver. So, you know, if you wanted to pare it down into conference play, yeah, uh, and teams that are actually vying for those playoff spots and impact, you know, the standings. And if the Jazz didn't play the Lakers, or they didn't play the Clippers, or they didn't play the Nuggets, and those are the three teams that really intrigue the Jazz in positioning. Then you know that makes sense to play to see if the Jazz can either jump from a four to a two, uh, maybe above, or what if they fell from a four to a six. Uh, I mean, those are all options on the table if you can sit, if you continue to play the remainder of the season in a condensed way, or you just go ahead and play the playoffs as as they are lined up now. That's another. Those are two options, I guess. But the first one, I think, is a little bit more of an undertaking. More games, more more time. But if they have the time, some teams may want to have an opportunity to move up, or they could take the chance of moving down in the way of the standings. But as you and I talked earlier this week, I mean, this would be really no home court advantage for anyone. I mean, this is a neutral site so with no fans. So really the seedings are intriguing, but at the same time, you really don't have the advantage home or away. Listening to Dennis Lindsay and all three of us were on that Zoom conference call. Did it, in my mind it did, but how about in your mind in terms of putting to bed and making it the dead issue, the Gobert-Mitchell thing? Yeah, I thought he was, you know, it was the first question asked out of the gate. And I thought, you know, it had to be asked. And I'm glad, uh, I think it was Andy uh, Larson for the trip who did it. Yeah. And it was um, a question that, you know, had to be, and he expected that. But, no, I thought he took it, tackled it. And I thought he uh, just, you know, made it pretty clear. They've discussed things as a team. They have their, quote, Zoom calls as well, which is pretty popular nowadays uh, to communicate with everybody. And, um, he he seemed not to walk around the question, PK. That was my my thought when we all listened in, and uh, I thought he was upfront about the fact that 
they, they're going to work it out. They're on the same page and the same goal. And I think that's what fans want to hear. The other part of it, too, you know, he made mention of, you know, the financial commitment that's coming. And, you know, the Jazz have been pretty fair in the salary structure of late. Uh, as the Millers, you know, want to make sure the, their money is used correctly as they build towards a championship. But now the big commitment is coming. And uh, that's that's if you have two players not on the same page and you have some big, big decisions to make. And I thought he downplayed that somewhat. But a super max and a max around the corner, that's a big commitment. And he has to know that these two guys are willing to, if they haven't already worked it out, will and we'll be able to coexist on the floor uh, and, and make this thing work. If not, they've got to make some big decisions because it's too much of a financial burden if they don't. So all the chemistry issues, whatever they are now, I think we've all been around this long enough, winning improves the chemistry, losing wrecks the chemistry. It's a, it's a pretty Spot common on. story, and there's probably a few outlier examples of teams that won and fought and teams that lost and got along great, but it's not the way it usually works. And I think that looking at the way, you know, back to what you said about the schedule and the playoff structure, you know, this team's going to feel one way going into the offseason if they go to Orlando, drop the sixth, and lose in the first round. And they're going to feel another way if they go to Orlando and climb to third and win in the first round and then upset the Clippers. PK was just watching a replay of the Clipper game. Now, can they really pull that off? That seems really optimistic. Yeah, well, top shelf you know, expectations and then the, the bottom, the worst scenario. Now, the truth will usually fall somewhere in the middle, so probably won't be either one of those things. But when you look at those, you know, the two extremes happening, you can see team chemistry changing a lot, not just for those two based on either one of those results. Yeah, absolutely. I think the biggest key here is which team, guys, if they do play, actually find their chemistry back the quickest. And uh, those, you know, and again, it's a dangerous situation for chemistry. Some teams uh, were on a roll, others were not. Some were injured, now they've healed. It really puts it all more kind of on an even keel if they do play. And it's going to have to be a quick adjustment and you you can't say, well, we'll get it. No, 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 you can't find your chemistry. No, you've got to have it uh, if you're going to, you know, bounce to the highest level in this league. And so that's going to be, I think, maybe the biggest challenge, uh, not only getting back into basketball shape. And we haven't even talked about some of the concerns I was just reading on ESPN.com, you know, that the ownership groups are maybe still trying to figure this out. And their concern is, giving the players enough time, and is it, is it worth it? to risk potential injury uh, if they get the 25 days and they can't really replicate basketball uh, with no preseason type of you know competition it's basically you know five on five in a uh, you know in a, in a practice facility yeah you can get up and down the floor and break a sweat but it still doesn't replicate you know real NBA game and how, how much of these guys stayed in shape over the last two months we don't know I mean even though the jazz has said they've shipped out equipment, you know, they've, they've worked with them on diet and, and daily routine, but until you actually see them, I think it's a real concern because these are big investments, as we all know. I didn't get an opportunity to ask a question. That's fine. The question that I would have wanted to ask was this time off that they're having, you know, the dead time in terms of no games right now. Hopefully they'd be in the second round and we'd be all focused on that. 
but we don't have that. So I'm wondering how this time impacts decisions that they have to make immediately. And say, like for instance, a Clarkson free agents deal, and then also right. you know what to do as far as draft. How do you think this time? is affecting that are they is it making them more prepared or are they chasing ghosts what do you think about that pk i i think it's got to be difficult i mean the jazz as you know i mean every summer they probably have the most players visit their facility than anybody else in the nba i mean it's upwards of the 80s 90s i think a couple of years ago they reached 100 players making visits you know visits in for uh, some workouts so I don't see how you can even replicate that on a virtual workout. You know, hey, let me zoom you in and go and let me watch you do your thing on the floor. I mean, I think it makes everybody's job more difficult and more of a roll-the-dice mentality. I also wonder, honestly, and I'll say this out loud, with the financial uh, commitments that are coming, how deep do the Jazz really want to jump into the draft? Do they use picks, trade them? Uh, Do they want to make financial commitments uh, to a 24th or 5th pick, I mean, I don't know. That's a, and that's something I, I don't even have a clue on what they're thinking. I mean, they're always looking to, yes, um, they were pretty busy last season, as we all know, and they were in, they're, in the, they're in the mindset of developing players. So they may take uh, their pick and use it. But also it's a financial commitment as well. And I just wonder how that plays into, the, into their equation of – of uh, what they have, how they can use the money better, like you said, for Clarkson, or is it something that they have, you know, already mapped into their into their plan, into into their equation? So it's it intrigues me, but I, I think it's got to be the most difficult time to be a scout and to make some pretty tough decisions on a player uh, that you're going to take that maybe you, you haven't seen, except maybe in January, maybe in February. Uh, you, you you made a trip around the country and you saw a couple of guys in the Pac-12, Big 12, whatever it may be, and you saw them play. But uh, it's still not the same as camps and getting personal workouts. Yeah, and those in-person interviews. I don't think the Zoom yeah. interview is the same thing. I mean, it's better than nothing, but it's not the same thing. But, hey, I guess this is why they're flying Walt Perrin all over the place in December and January, right, in February. Exactly. Yeah, so. Walt's never around. And, you know, he makes trips and Dennis joins him on occasion and you know, Dennis has been on trips, uh, you know, and stops off and we'll be in New York and he'll go watch, uh, you know, uh, Big East basketball and, you know, maybe make a trip down to, you know, the uh, the big, big, you know, Big Ten. I mean, it's that's what they do all season long. They travel a lot to take a peek at players. and But now no one expected this. I think it really does uh, throw a different, uh, definitely a big challenge, a different challenge to, to the Jazz and the rest of the NBA. Well, Bowler, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us. You bet. Tell Joe Hay a cup cup of coffee. I know he's coming up. I'll be listening. All right. Thanks, Bowler. See you guys. See you soon. There's Craig Bowler, Jack. Joe Ingles is coming up next. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. 
Good morning, DJ, PK, and Joe Ingalls. He joined us late in the show, 9 o'clock hour yesterday. Love to replay him early in the morning. I know people love to hear from him. He had a lot to say. One question he'd like to ask the commissioner later today. Um, we, we may have referenced it as tomorrow yesterday, but you get the point. Um, and then uh, as he thought about retirement and how would his career have gone differently if Gordon Hayward had stayed and how would it have impacted Donovan Mitchell? A lot of things to talk with Joe about. Let's get to it. This is the Zone Sports Network. Back to Joe and he'll flush. And it's time to hear from the best looking, most charismatic, and certainly the most intelligent member of the Utah Jazz. Jingle Bells! Joe Ingles. Gives it back to Joe till the cop slams it in. And yes, for the record, Joe wrote this introduction. This is the Joe Ingles Show. With DJ and PK. Who? On 97.5, 1280, The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. The Joe Ingle Show is brought to you by your hardworking friends at Mountainland Supply. For all your plumbing and irrigation needs, go to mountainlandsupply.com. Joe, good morning. Hi, guys. <laughs> Every week, huh? That's what we're going to get. <laughs> absolute pleasure all right so joe we have learned that you are going to get the pleasure of an all nba call with the commissioner tomorrow what are you going to ask the commish it's an open forum for all the players any questions what do you want to know joe um i really just want like the one simple yes or no really to what i think um, kind of the same as most other people. Um, just what the obviously if we're going to play or not, it's um, I think for us and so obviously I understand it from the fans' point of view and, and and a lot of people who are employed and their their job is obviously a part of of us playing games. Um, yeah, I just want to know if we're going to play or not. I think it would be. Nice to have that answer, if, uh, yes or no, if we if we are or not. So I don't know that the commissioner can give you that specific answer. Well, who can? You, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's that's the whole point. Can you take general guidelines as far as that goes? Would that be good enough? No, I want a yes or a no. I'm okay. Gonna put, I'm going to put him on the spot. I need a okay. yes or a no right now, Mr. Adam. All right. It'd be great if we can get it. I just don't know if he could. If he can, then that's awesome. No, I think it's, yeah. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of, uh, I think it's obviously a bit of a an update or whatever that we're getting. And, um, yeah, it would just be, it'd be nice to, to know a bit of what's going on. Don't you feel like the answer is probably almost certainly yes, but he can't completely guarantee it? I mean, like I said before, to me, the longer this goes on, I see it the other way, like the harder it is to get back because it's just, uh, I don't know, we're not not just going back to our jobs, which is no disrespect to people who sit in the office or something like that, but we're not just going, I'm not going back to a desk job or I'm not going back, like, it, it takes so much time to prepare and obviously, like they've spoken about, if we... If we do go back, the um, the timing or whatever it is of 
14, uh, 14 days of like quarantine and like I think it was a 25-day guideline more or less um, to, to what we would have to do to prepare. Like that's still, if we got to do that on top of like what we've already waited, it's a long time. Um, still, even even if he came out tomorrow and says we, we are playing, we're still like six, maybe, like, I think minimum like six weeks from actually playing, which is a long time. Yeah, you know, you look at guys in the league, you've got literally 20-year-olds all the way up to guys in their upper 30s, and that's a big difference. And say, you know, like for you 10 years ago at 22, you probably could have been uh, ready quicker. How is this downtime affecting your training at 32, knowing that there's a possibility that you might come back? Yeah, I mean, obviously you prepare. I think everyone will in their own situations will be preparing best for them and what they need to do. Obviously, everyone's different, like you said. I'm sure um, the younger guys are, uh, probably just, could just wake up and go and play a game tomorrow. Obviously, there's um, a few of us older guys that would need a little bit longer to, to, to prepare. But, um, yeah, I think everyone do um, what you know you need to do to be as ready as possible. We've talked about it before, and I think no matter what we do in the gym or running on a treadmill, we're not going to be basketball ready. So that, that obviously that 25 days, 30 days timeline, um, if we do that, that is, is a, the reason why, so we can get back on court and, and get through the stuff that way. But, um, I mean, regardless, I think we all love playing basketball and that's our job, so everyone will be ready. Um, but you obviously want enough time to prepare yourself so nobody's not just your own team, but the whole league isn't getting uh, players injured from, from having this bigger break. So how much time do you need to get from where you are now physically to where you could play in a game and be feeling confident that you're not going to have a bunch of, you know, soft muscle tissue injuries, hamstrings, calves, whatever? Well, I wish I knew. I finished uh, more than high school um, to answer that question, but... Um, I don't honestly really know. I don't know what uh, what it takes. Um, obviously, we have a lot of professionals um, who have studied their whole life to, to give us that information. And um, I think what they've said, like that, that the, the number that's been thrown around is like that kind of twenty five ish, twenty five ish is uh, days. So it would be a week or two of individual stuff where you can just kind of get yourself going again with the ball and. Um, obviously on the court and then um, build into to probably two and like one on one two and two five and five and then build it up until you're, you're kind of playing um, at, at a speed that we obviously would be game like um, and do that for as long as you can and, until um, we actually have to play a game is your mindset right now that it's the off season or it's just an outrageously long extended all star break? I don't even I've got I think I've gone through every different like scenario of like yeah, it's over, then you have a, a glimpse of something and you think it might be coming back and and you think you have a morning where you don't sleep as well and you wake up and like, well, I don't really need to do anything because who knows if we're playing or not and you have a day off and then you get back into it and I mean, even whatever, yesterday, I think it was, I think it was, or someone was tweeting about the facilities opening up and some some 
teams aren't even opening their facilities up. So there's teams that are on all different timelines for that. So it's not a specific. The jazz and the jazz can open now, so everyone else can. Like there's there's teams that obviously are going to um, open up, and I think we will, and hopefully sooner rather than later. But um, I think it was Cuban or someone said they're still gathering enough information, so they're they're not even close to opening up yet. So if we were to open, say, tomorrow and the the Dallas Mavericks don't for two weeks, then we're two weeks ahead of them as well, Um, which I think in this scenario can make a big difference to to someone's body. If I've got an extra two, three weeks of of on-court basketball stuff under my belt, then what someone from from Dallas or another team does, it's it's not a... um, very fair comparison to, to when we get back out and start playing. I read that uh, the rates are so low, the rates of infection are so low in New Zealand and Australia that considering restarting tourism just kind of between those two countries, they're calling it this bubble. And I wondered because we're seeing about uh, they're playing we baseball. Just do that anyway. We don't want anyone else in our country anyway. Having, having been there once, I kind of get that, honestly. <laughs> I mean, I know you said it would be funny, but actually, I kind of get it. Uh, they're playing baseball in Taiwan and South Korea. They're getting ready to start playing soccer in Germany. Are they restarting any sports in Australia and New Zealand that you know of? Uh, they're talking about it. Um, well, I think same thing of, of obviously gathering a lot of information and, and making sure they're, they're doing everything possibly right to, to put the players and players' families in, in, in the best situation to obviously one, to go and compete and do what they do for, for themselves and for their fans. And um, and obviously the other side of it is the, um, the, 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 the economy of it, the, the money, the thing that it all brings in, making sure you just, I think before anyone does anything, you've really got to make sure you, you've got all the best interests of the players and all that before thinking about the money involved in it and if you the risk of someone or someone's family or parents or grandparents getting sick and, and potentially getting it, then I, I don't see how it can how it can open. But um, yeah, there's talk there's talk about our obviously AFL for us is the biggest sport and they've talked about um, like going to a hub there and never everyone go to the same state and, and play a few games or whatever. Um, but yeah they they are, they haven't opened yet but there's every morning I wait up and read the newspaper from back home, and they're obviously always talking about it, but I don't know how close it is to actually happening or not. So for all these years you've been in this league now, what, six, seven years, uh, usually when you're in the States, you're a day or two from having to jump and hop on a plane and go somewhere, and your life is always so hectic with the travel and games and practices and weights and everything else that you got going on. You don't have that now, and so you're settled in. Have you felt like you've become a Utahan right now in terms of you know enjoying the beautiful weather and maybe exploring the mountains or whatever it is that you're doing? Well, I kind of consider myself one from day one. <laughs> I hope everyone else did, but I once we got here, we, we obviously um, – thought we obviously loved it here and we, we can kind of consider it a, a second home and um, as you all know we, we, we bought our house we've yeah it's whatever six years um, in now and, and it's the yeah I mean it's the first time we've been here without having to do a lot um, like we've talked about where we go down and me and Renee flip flop in the gym in the morning and then we have the day with the kids um, kind of from like lunchtime onwards we just hang with the kids and um get outside we, we've taken the kids up um kind of like some little hikes outside um we, we've spent a lot of time outside which we haven't got to do 
um, a lot in the last five or six years because we go back to winter in Australia as well. So the, the kids have absolutely been loving just being able to run around the backyard in shorts and a T-shirt instead of sweats and a jacket and a, and a hat on and, and everything. Um, and same for, for Renee and I, just to be able to sit outside and um, enjoy the weather, which we've, like you said, we've never got to. I've always come over for summer league for a few days, but um, it's kind of, I'm too jet lagged in the four or five days I'm here to even realise where I am and then I go home anyway. So um, we were going to stay this summer and the next summer regardless and, and enjoy it for the next couple of years while we um, have the opportunity and the, the, obviously Renee is not playing anymore. And um, yeah, we've, we've really enjoyed it to, to get outside and I guess experience a bit more of Utah from what we hadn't seen from that side of it, but obviously within reason of um, not trying to go near too many people either. So trying to stick to the, the rules and stuff, but um, yeah, we're lucky where we live with a, we've got a backyard and we can get outside and walk around. So. so it's not the same as retirement, but it's probably the closest thing you've seen to it. Do you think that you'll be good with retirement when that day comes? Because obviously some players struggle with it. I'll be good when the day comes. I'm, I'm, regardless of if this had happened or not, I, I, I think as an athlete and for me, big, like being able to go through it with Renee recently um, and really go through it twice because the first time she retired, it was for the family and to, to have the kids together and have the kids over here with me and, and all that. Um, and I knew she didn't want to retire, but we kind of figured it was the best for, for the four of us to be together. And um, so I always had an inkling that she would go back and play. And, and obviously I wanted to, to want her to do that and support her doing that. And she went back and played. And, and that last season, um, last year, uh, when we were home, she, she didn't hate playing or going to practice, but she knew she was done. She knew mentally she was ready to move on career-wise and study, she's studying, she's got her master's degree, she's, she's, she was ready to, to go to that next step. So um, I've seen it firsthand. So I think um, being able to see how you need, how you need to prepare, um, what, what you need to have. Like Renee would have never retired if she didn't have, obviously the kids, but obviously her master's degree and stuff like that to be able to do stuff outside of just being a mum and a, and a husband. So um, Renee's brain works way too much and um, she, she needs to keep it kind of active so she, she still does stuff um, now we we're on the board of a couple of different charities and there's a lot going on so she's um, she's still busy and I think that's the biggest thing with preparing for retirement and then going into it is making sure that you, you're not just sitting around I think you can enjoy that for a week or two but it, it gets pretty uh, pretty boring after a few weeks with this more far more downtime now, normally we'd be uh, eyeball deep in the playoffs. I've been trying to look at the draft a little bit more and get a feel for some of the players that are out there. There's this kid out of uh, Israel, uh, Avadia. I'm, I'm, I'm probably not pronouncing his name right. Uh, and he's like this 19-year-old, and they're comparing him to Doncic and all that. My thought for you is... We hear that you know you guys are the best, approximately 450 players in the world. I'm wondering, based on your experience playing around the world, how many more guys do you think are out there that could actually play in the league if they got in a good situation where they were developed like you did? 
it's funny. We I actually talk about this a lot because of the situation that I had and um, coming out at like whatever twenty seven and and not really playing a huge role in like playing in Europe. But it's not like I was averaging twenty points and teams were desperate to have me over here. And um, I think the hardest thing I think to the first part of your question, yeah, I think there's a lot of players out there that could play. There's probably players out there that are. I have no doubt that are better than me that aren't playing in the NBA. Like I'm not that self-conscious to <laughs> to worry about um, my position. I know what I do, and I think every team and player and fans do now as well. But there's no doubt there's some more talented players, some more athletic players, maybe a better scorer or, or whatever than than me that's not playing in the NBA. But the biggest thing and what I think I've been able to do and to, to keep a job and to, to be consistent over here is, is know my role and be, be really good at it. And that's the hardest thing. You think about how many people come out of the draft and get given like the keys to a team. Like It, it doesn't happen very often. You're like LeBron's. Even with Donovan. Donovan wasn't... That wasn't originally the plan with Donovan. We were going to have... We were going to have Gordon. We had Rodney Hood. Then we had a lot of other guys and Donovan was going to be a piece of our team that obviously we thought was going to obviously turn into a big piece, but I don't think anyone believed it would happen that quickly. And um, so he didn't get drafted to, to take over the Jazz. He, he got drafted, obviously, to help us and, and kind of take us to another level. But um, the amount of players that you get drafted to actually like, LeBron, you're taking this franchise over. And that's, that's very, very few guys. And if you're not one of those guys, which like for us, obviously it's like Donovan and Rudy, if you're not one of those guys, you have to fill a role and you have to be good at what you do. Like for us, Royce is an unbelievable defender. He's turned into a 40-odd, whatever percent three-point shooter. Like he knows what his role is, is to bet, defend the best guy and to knock down and shoot open threes. Um, I think for me, it was the same thing. Like come in and fill a role as a second ball hander, like be a pest on defense, get my teammates involved. Obviously, me shooting the shots took a little while to actually shoot, but I got there and now I shoot sometimes. Um, but if I wasn't happy with that, I, I'm not going to be... I can't come into a team and start shooting like 20 shots a game. Like that's not me and that's not the role that a, a team needs. And, and, and most NBA teams don't need that. Most NBA teams have their one or two main guys. And I think the hardest thing for, for high draft picks... Um, or guys in Europe that are playing in the best teams, Americans or foreigners, is to come in and you're not the guy anymore. Like you might have been the guy in, well, what's that, AAU or whatever it's called. Like you might have been the guy there, you might have been the guy in your college team, but now you're not. You're kind of at the bottom of the totem pole again. And to accept that and to find a role, like you've, it, it's hard sometimes. And I think it's hard for a lot of players. And that's why some guys don't survive over here and they end up going back to Europe and or whatever being the man on their European team because they they haven't been able to, to fill a role and if you can fill a role and be good at that role you can stay in the NBA for, for a long time so it's funny you bring up Donovan coming into the team we've had this discussion before about uh, what would have happened had Gordon stayed with the Jazz because obviously yeah. he would have had the ball in his hands. He would have gotten you know, a certain number of shots per game. His role would have been unquestioned. And would that, have sure slowed, yeah, would that have slowed Donovan's development or yours? 
And PK's more of the thought that it would have slowed Donovan's. I'm more of the thought that it would have slowed or even stopped yours because you'd have been happy with a lesser role. When Donovan shows these flashes, you'd be thinking, hey, he's a young guy. we got to get more out of him. I'm wondering if your career changed and your role, if you think your role really enlarged because Gordon did take off. Well, regardless, I was fine. So I didn't really care. Right. They, they had me regardless. But, um, no, I think... I don't honestly. I don't think for me it would have been a huge. I, I think definitely a couple less, less shots, a couple less possessions with the ball in my hand. But I think Donovan's um, development would have been slowed down a little bit. Uh, he might not have been like an all star this year. He, I think he had he, he showed us all from his rookie year. He had the potential to, to be an all star and, and be kind of what he is for us now, regardless. But. Um, I don't think it would have hurt our team or them, either of those guys individually as much as what maybe people would have thought because they're still if you think about a lot of teams with, with Steph and Clay and like with those kind of two man combos that a lot of teams have they start the game together but they spend they a lot of their other minutes are out there by themselves so they, Donovan might have come off and Gordon would have stayed on with with me and Rudy and whoever, and then Don, uh, Rudy, uh, sorry, Gordon would go off and Donovan would come back on. and um, So I think they still would have both been really effective. And then obviously having them on the court together would have been unreal. And a couple of shooters around them and whatever, whoever it would have been, Mike or Ricky or whoever at the time. Um, I think everyone, like you said, not just me, but everyone else would have sacrificed a little bit. I think we all would have been given up a shot or two or a possession or two with the ball. Um, but I don't think overall it would have um, hurt our team. I think it would have been a really good thing. And obviously, we have moved on and we're, um, we are who we are now. Um, I think Gordon leaving definitely gave me the ball more than, than what I was ever expecting. And um, But it wouldn't have, like you said, I mean, you guys know me, it wouldn't have bothered me if I was taking less possessions and we were winning more games and, and playing deep in the finals and all that. So, um, yeah, it's an interesting thing to think about what would have happened. I think, like I said, I think they both would have, like obviously Gordon was an all-star. Donovan um, still would have been who Donovan was. I think the, the thing about Donovan is people, and you guys know, and like Donovan's uh, from his first year to now, his his passing and creating is, is, is really good. His first year probably not so much, and, and he would agree with that. Um, but he watches film and he learns, and having those two out there together, with, like I said, with some shooters around, I think it would have been would have been pretty dangerous. Yeah, I agree 100% as far as his creating and his shot selection, just the way he's moving, you know, because they've been putting these games on television from this season, even some from last year. And so I've been watching a little bit at night, and obviously we already know the outcome, so I haven't been focused on the outcome. But I'm watching just this week. I'm watching when you guys went into Boston. I think it was – I don't know. Yeah. It might have been last year. And then, then they played yeah, the Clipper yeah. game down in Los Angeles. And I'm watching Mitchell, and he just looks so much better in year three than year one, which is natural. My thought for you is this guy's already a star. Uh, how much more development do you think he has to even raise his game up a notch or two? Well, let's not get it too bad. He's not a star. He's just a little kid from Louisville. <laughs> okay, but, he might be, but he's a star in the um, league. <laughs> he's not a star to me. He's just a teammate that that shoots a lot. <laughs> no, he's, I mean, he's, he's obviously, so we, we, and 
the loss of Gordon sped that development up, and we've all seen it firsthand. And uh, like, and Donovan would get mad at me over this, so it's not going to be a, a start of another trending uh, <laughs> feud between Jazz players. But um, he would have known coming in his first year at the time, still having Gordon, like he was going to be like the second or third piece behind kind of Rudy and Gordon, and. Um, maybe takes over Rudy or maybe he takes over Gordon or like who knows what would have panned out if we had all three of them um, but for him it sped up quicker and it, it, it obviously he, he took that upon himself so he, he didn't let the game come to him he went, went and took over his first year and it forced us to end up starting him and it forced him to, to be the guy and we wanted him to have the ball a lot from uh, he was probably about halfway through that year we ended up like alright well last show it's, it's yours like you've earned it you've, you've showed you wanted it you um, and we were all really comfortable with that which which doesn't happen in a lot of teams too not a lot of teams are going to let a rookie who who wasn't the top five pick just come in and take over and um, his development's been unreal and like we said, part of that might be because of, of Gordon not being here. He's been forced to, to develop quicker. Um, obviously, he showed he's mature enough to, to handle that and take it on. And um, Yeah, I mean, he's been a huge part. He's, I've, I've seen, like you said, like watched a couple of quarters or clips from those games that have, have been played. And he, he's just he's such a different player. I thought he was really good his first year for, for coming out at whatever pick he was and, and doing what he did. Um, and I didn't know him at all in college. I, the first time I ever met him or saw him play was when I met him at the Jazz. So, um, his development's been unreal, and um, I do think he's got a lot, a lot more to, to, to not just work on, but to, to keep getting better at. I think um, he's showed as that like kind of backup point guard. His playmaking and creating, I think, I think that can get better. Um, I think his. His patience. Um, I, I always talk to him, and he always says it's unfair because I I use I play slow regardless. But there's always there's a bunch of times I'm like, dude, just slow down. Like, let them try and try and figure out how to stop you, and then counter it. Like, there's there's so many things that he'll get over time um, that'll just continue to make him better. I think this year defensively, he he really took it upon him to to stand up. You see the the best players in the league with Kawhi and LeBron. Um, Paul George and these like they defend their position as well as attacking down the other end. So I think he's took that upon him to to really be a better defender, and then he's taken pride in that. And I think um, I think overall his his overall game from from top to bottom will continue to keep progressing because he he wants it to. He, he's not um, comfortable where he is. He knows he's young and he knows he can get a lot better, um, which is a perfect guy that you want to be around and have your have your organization uh, have it your your organization Joe you got a podcast with yeah your, with your way wife? better than this show <laughs> <laughs> I do did he say it's way better than this show because yeah, yeah. that's surprised because <laughs> I'm not on it <laughs> that's why it's way better than this show <laughs> No, it's been a it's been a hit. Utah has absolutely loved it, and Australia has too. So we are we've got a couple a couple more episodes before um, kind of the first little um, season or first little part will be. We'll have a little break and we'll get back into it. But there's a couple of really good ones coming up, and um, yeah, it's exciting. It's been really fun to talk to some really cool people. Um, 
I've probably got a couple personal favourite episodes myself, but um, we, we've had really good feedback from from every episode. And um, like you said, it's <laughs> it's really Renee's show, and me and Aaron are just like the sidekicks. Um, but it's been a, a lot of fun. Joe, as always, we appreciate it. Have fun on the call with the commissioner, and we'll expect a complete report in a week, although, you know, Woes will have it in an hour. Yeah, I'll say you'll find out a lot, a lot sooner than you'll get it from me, but we can still talk about it. All right, thanks, Joe. We appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. There's Joe Ingalls. When we come back, what is trending? Stay with us.